Welcome to an enlightening podcast from IslamPodcasts.com. We encourage our listeners to please comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please remind your family and friends to also visit IslamPodcasts.com for engaging discussions on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran, Tafsir, Sira, and much more. Any decent human being, you know, your heart breaks. Seeing these scenes of babies pulled out of rubble, seeing scenes of mothers cradling their lifeless children in their arms, scenes of fathers having lost their entire family. And I was seeing, like, we're doing all of these things, you know, we're protesting all the time, we're writing our Congress people were, you know, were voting and trying to get a, you know, a different uh, president in office, you know, who says that they're anti-war. And still I'm noticing, you know, nothing has changed. Speaking out for Iman, for Islam, for the rights of the Muslims, for the change in this world, gives me more power. It gives me the feeling that I live, that I'm living. I'm living actually only at those moments where I speak out for Islam. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Salatu wassalamu ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Your brothers and sisters, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh and welcome to Islamic Voices Live. Dear brothers, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned many times the role of the men and also the role of the woman in the Quran. We have it in the Sunnah, we have it in the, in the role of the, the, the role that uh, the woman played uh, in the history of Islam, in the time of the Sahaba until today. Uh, some of the Mufassirin, when we talk about in this, they even mention women. For instance, some of them, they said Aisha because of her role uh, that she played within the Islamic history and taking stands uh, when the times for to take stands were needed. We have uh, Asma bint Abu Bakr, we have Khatija anha, we have Sumayya radiallahu anha, we have uh, Fatima radiallahu anha, and the, and the names continue on uh, as anyone who knows the history of Islam. Uh, whether it was the mother of Bukhari, whether it was mother of Imam Shafi'i or Imam Abu Hanifa, very well known with Imam, Imam Malik, and, and the roles of their, the, the mothers played and the roles women played in general in Islam. Today is no difference, brothers and sisters. The, what we are seeing in Gaza, and of course today uh, the topic is Gaza and the mothers of the Ummah as they speak out, we are seeing a, a, a genocide taking place. Uh, in reality, almost the 16th massacre in, in Gaza in general. We witnessed genocide of Muslims in Bosnia, few years before, then we saw what happened to Muslims in Rohingya and in Burma, to the Rohingya Muslims in Arakan. We are seeing what's happening to the Uyghur Muslims and Allahu Alam what will happen to the Muslims of India and the list goes on. But there is now a change. Uh, we have today any movements, whether it's Hezbo Tahrir, whether it's Ikhwan Muslimin, whether it's uh, you know, Jamaat Islami and many others where the Muslim movements are playing a pivotal role in changing not only the narrative, but changing the history of Islam. 
So we have today three sisters, bismillah ta'ala, three mothers, sisters, daughters, uh, who are going to come here, you know, we're going to speak to them who are professionals. Some of them are teachers, some of them are doctors, some of them are activists in, and, and have different professional backgrounds. For instance, today, uh, with the help of Allah, we have honored to have Dr. Nazreen Nawaz and also Sister Zahra Malik and also Sister Sara Muhammad. Uh, Dr. Nasreen, many of you know very well, Dr. Nasreen is the director of the women's section in Central Media Office of Hezbat Tahrir and a medical doctor by profession. She had lectured widely internationally as well and authored various articles and booklets on women, uh, Islam, and the Khilafah. And she just recently also, I, I saw her speech given in front of many embassies, uh, putting men and armies to shame that why are they not moving while their sisters are calling for Aina Mu'tasima. And then you have, uh, we have uh, Zahra Malik, member of Central Media Office of Hezbollah Tahrir, Turkey. Uh, she has been writing political articles, comments for the women's section in Central Media Office of Hezbollah Tahrir in several years. Uh, for several years, she has given speeches on various international women's conferences in Turkey and abroad. Then we have Sister Sara, also who's a teacher, who's an activist, who's, uh, who has given, uh, who's also a speaker, also a member of Hezbollah Tahrir uh, America. Sister Sarah converted to Islam 17 years ago. She has been involved in activism work for 25 years through, through, through after her conversion in Islam. She knew that resuming the Islamic way of life uh, as a political system is only the solution to solve the problems that plague and it plagues mankind today. She studied early childhood education at university. Uh, sisters, welcome to Islamic Oasis Life. Jazakallah khair, brother. Jazakallah khairan for being here. Uh, first of all, let me, I'm going to start with a very uh, a question uh, that I think all, every one of you kind of have to say something about. You know, sisters, being part of a movement, especially Islamic movement, this is a big deal. Uh, men uh, shy away from joining movements uh, out of fear, out of, uh, there are many things, you know, what will the governments do? What will, uh, you know, what will happen to my family? jails, uh, and many things that comes with being part of Islamic movements. And subhanAllah, you guys are in the Muslim world. You guys are in, some, some of you are in the West. Some of you, know, you, you have Sister Zara sitting in Turkey. What is it that's telling you that you must now act, not just as individuals, but also act as Muslims, Muslim sisters being part of movements that are changing the Islamic history. Shall I, shall I start, brother? Go ahead, sister. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Rabbi shrahli sadri wa yasuli amri wa halul min lisani yaku qawli. So, brother, I think it's a really important question to start off with. So, as Muslims, whether male or female, when we accept the shahada, we establish a contract with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that contract is one of submission to everything that he commands, everything that he defines, every single law, every single legislation and rule. This is the relationship that we have with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, whether we are male or female as Muslims. And part of that contract is to work to establish a world where the rules are based upon what he has commanded. 
And what we have today in the world is a world where the system and the laws of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are absent. There is not one inch of the world today where his commands are implemented in a correct way. In the Muslim lands from east to west, you can't imagine not one inch of land where the rules of the Lord of the world, worlds is not implemented correctly. And so in this situation, it's an obligation for, for us as Muslims, whether male or female, to work to establish his system again in this world, to implement his Sharia and his laws, which we know as Muslims is the only way to bring mercy and to bring uh, tranquility to human beings. And so this was my, you know, my motivation to join Hizbut Tahrir. Hizbut Tahrir, for those who don't know, is a global Islamic political party that looks to re-establish the system of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the Khilafah, based upon the method of the prophethood in the Muslim lands, according to the Sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So when I came across these ideas as a movement, as an organization, it convinced me, first of all, because it presented Islam as a deen, as a complete way of life, not just a few actions, but a complete ideology that could solve the problems of the world. And it convinced me because its, uh, its objectives, its ideas, its method of work was completely based upon the Quran and the Sunnah. So this is what drives me to be part of this world, to work, to remove the oppression as Muslims, as Muslim women, men, we're obliged to work to remove oppression from our ummah and from mankind, from humanity. Now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made each one of us shuhada an nas, you know, uh, you know, witnesses to mankind. And we are brothers and sisters to one another. So when we see our ummah suffering in Gaza, the Kashmir, the Uyghur Muslims, the Rohingya, it's an obligation upon us, male or female, to raise our voices, to do whatever we can to lift this oppression from our ummah. And the only way to lift this oppression is to establish the system of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Islamic leadership that will mobilize the Muslim armies to remove the occupiers and the oppressors from our lands and inshallah bring protection to the ummah. Go ahead, sister. Any, anyone else? That's a, that's a question. We have to get that answer. I mean, because, you know, this is, as I said, I mean, subhanAllah, yani, uh, I guess if you can also kind of touch on The, the courage part, because, you know, I want the brothers also who was, who's watching this, uh, the brothers and, you know, young, young men and everyone else who are watching this, that, you know, I want them to realize that if the sisters are playing this role, usually the moment sisters take up a role, uh, men out of even shame feel that we have to do something and we, we must, uh, if our sisters are stepping up, then how are we even... What I and mean, how can we sit back? So, if someone can, if you, one of you guys can address that, inshallah, uh, Sister Zahra, especially as you're sitting in, in Turkey, uh, it's very important for us to hear because of I know that uh, in Turkey there are, uh, you know, people get arrested for being part of movements. I can't hear you, sister. Uh, Sorry, so can you Go hear ahead. me now? Y yes, yes. Yes. Alhamdulillah, I was born as the daughter of a Muslim family. And my parents were always interested in the situation of the Ummah. Hmm. So especially Palestine, 
was really a breaking point for me to decide that I am a Muslim. I was at the age about 12. When I saw those footages of young Muslim Palestinians being hit with stones where Israeli soldiers broke their shoulders. This was a moment in my life where I said, SubhanAllah, I want to go to jihad. I want to take revenge for my brothers and sisters in Palestine. I was just 12 years old. That was more than 30 years ago, almost 40 years ago. And from that point on, I started observing how the Kufar reacted to the uh, oppression across the Muslim world. I was born and raised in Europe, mm. and I went to European schools, and we were raised with the ideas of becoming strong women, speaking out for the environment, speaking out for the rights of women, and and representing some. I was part of Greenpeace. I was part of Amnesty International. I really took actively part in these organizations, believing uh, to remove some injustice in the area where I live. At the same time, while witnessing what was going on in Palestine and in Europe towards Muslims, even though 30 years ago, 35, 40 years ago, the situation towards Muslim especially women and girls, even without wearing a headscarf, was the same as it is today. You are being marginalized. You are a foreigner. Uh, you don't have the same rights as the European people themselves. At the same time, of course, followed the news and uh, events going on in Turkey. That was a time where especially Women with headscarves were oppressed, really, not only oppressed, they were beaten up, they were banned from schools. Their brothers who defended them, Muslim brothers who defended them, were being arrested and tortured. The oppression going on in the Muslim land was even worse than the oppression that we faced living in the free liberty of Europe. So especially Palestine, as I said, was really a motivation for me being interested in Islam, being interested in the solutions of Islam. I made research on how was the past of the Muslims because my parents told me that we were once strong and that we that our sultans and and uh, Khalifas rescued oppressed Muslims and even Jews from uh, Al-Andalus, subhanAllah, and I made research and I found out that there was not a single Muslim country, not a single Muslim leader protecting the rights of the Muslims wherever they were. Alhamdulillah, while I was in my search, I came across uh, an interview on a TV show it was in 96, I think. There was made an interview with a young Muslim man, and he said, Islam is not a religion. Islam is an ideology. It has solutions for every situation in life. That was the moment where I felt, subhanAllah, this is the correct solution. I want to know these people. 
I want to know these ideas. And I really moved from one city where I lived against the will of my mother to the city where I hope to find those people. And Allah made me meet those people on the first day where I moved to that city. And that was Hizb tahrir Alhamdulillah, what makes Hizb tahrir different than any other organization that I worked with was, first of all, it was a Muslim organization. What it was different from the other Muslim organizations that I worked with during my teenage times, especially starting with the university during that time, it really based everything on Quran and Sunnah. It made no compromises in the decisions of Allah. There was not such a, not a single sentence that stated, yes, but, yes, we as Muslims should do this and that, but we live in other different times. This is what I heard from all other organizations until that time. Alhamdulillah. And you know, we are well aware, being a thinking human being, that we are limited in all our capacities, in all our abilities. And the only thing that lifts our abilities or gives us really unlimited strength is the power of Iman. And that states, just obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, whatever comes. And the reality is, this is what we learned from our Prophet Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. This is what we learned from the Sahaba. There is nothing else that can give you strength than your Imam and then relying on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, no matter how strange or, you know, strange in the sense of, you know, Western thinking that something is not mathematically logical coming to a solution. No matter what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says and how difficult it is, it is easy in the moment where you obey. And that is something where I say, okay, I'm a limited person. I'm a limited human being. I'm even more limited than my brothers in my deen. I'm a woman. But speaking out for Iman, for Islam, for the rights of the Muslims, for the change in this world, gives me more power. It gives me the feeling that I live, that I'm living. I'm living actually only at those moments where I speak out for Islam and nowhere else. Subhanallah. Uh, we, we'll come back to all of this. Uh, there's a lot to, there's a lot of questions I have and from all of different experiences I've had with, with, and especially Muslim women in, in many war zones, uh, sisters. So, because I, you know, I, 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 I want to really put that out there. So, get the understandings that you guys have sister Sarah you know Sumayya radiallahu came to Islam and and not only did she come to Islam in a time that Islam was uh, was new in a sense that you know the da'wah is new and and you know uh, the way she was killed she became a shaheed until today yani, uh, you know I don't know even if Fir'aun killed women the way uh, she was killed in, 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 in Mecca and but with, and I'm sure she knew that standing against Quraysh and taking a stand against people like Abu Jahl and Abu Lahab uh, this is not going to be a small task and especially someone who is already oppressed uh, you know comes from a very small family very poor family and then 
she's taken in, she's tortured, tortured to death. Yani, and, and then now you, you also came to Islam, sister. What is the motivation? And you know, because I'm seeing today a lot of women, especially coming to Islam, even after what they're seeing in what's happening in Gaza. I mean, in the last three days, it's amazing the calls that I'm getting at the center. Uh, people are just leaving messages saying, I want to become Muslim and my, I have my uh, aunt here or there's a female uh, here that who also wants to become Muslim. Uh, how do we talk to you, Sheikh? And, and they're not even Muslim. I mean, they've picked up some of the <laughs> vocabulary from Islam. But so talk to me, sister. What, what is the motivation behind? What is it that you see? What do you think Sumayya radiallahu saw? Um, I mean, uh, subhanAllah, I don't know if I can say so eloquently uh, like uh, Dr. Nazreen and Sister Zahra, but from my um, own experience um, coming to Islam, uh, and I think what is actually happening right now, you know, with the Muslims, because when I was 18, um, similarly to what Sister Zahra was saying, I was taking some political science classes at uh, university and the professor would bring, I, this was a long time ago before, you know, we had uh, this, uh, what we had, to, what we have today in terms of social media. And he used to show us um, news uh, casts from different parts of the world. And he was, and he used to um, show us a lot about what was going on in uh, Palestine and with the occupation. And I remember sitting in the class, you know, it was a huge class, and just uh, I was shocked and crying because here in, in America, we didn't know that that was what was going on. The only thing we knew is that, you know, we stand behind Israel because they're being constantly, you know, attacked by these Muslims. We didn't know any of this other stuff going on. And, you know, watching these video, and of course, back then, the video was not clear, you know, with people standing from far away, you know, and watching these little boys, you know, have their arms and legs broken, having dogs sick, you know, on them, arresting, uh, you know, young children, and then also, you know, seeing, you know, Muslim women, you know, wearing their prayer outfits, you know, chasing after those uh, Zionist soldiers, I mean, I I had the same, you know, reaction that I think people are having now. Like, what is it that gives them that courage and that, that strength to stand up? I mean, they have nothing on them. And these men have, you know, machine guns and, you know, they're pointing it right in their face and they're screaming at them. And, and I just thought, what is it about these people that they can stand up like this? You know, what do they have? Like, uh, you know, I could never imagine myself doing that. You know, I at that time, you know, I couldn't. And then when I started to, you know, uh, read about uh, Islam, and mind you, I was involved in like some, you know, movements like the feminist movement, the anti-war movement, you know, anti, you know, Iraq, and all of those things were going on too at the time. And I was seeing like we're doing all of these things, you know, we're protesting all the time, we're writing our Congress people, we're, you know, we're voting and trying to get a, you know, a different uh, president in office, you know, who says that they're anti-war. We're doing all of these things and, and still I'm noticing, you know, nothing has changed. You know, none of these things are, are, are changing for the people, you know, here or there or wherever. And when I came across, you know, it was a CIRA, 
of the Prophet and I started reading it. And this was several years later. And I started reading about some of these Sahaba. And I, I, I mean, just, I don't know what it, it, it is only from Allah, the creator, you know, a light switch came on and I was like, this is the truth. This is it. This is what I've been waiting for all my life. And by this time I was 25. So seven years, you know, had gone past. And I thought, subhanAllah, this is what we need to be saying. This is what we have to, you know, uh, tell everyone in the world. This is it. If you want the solution to help you with no matter what it is, whether it be poverty or, uh, you know, discrimination against women or minorities or, you know, occupation, everything, this is it. Because that's what the Prophet ﷺ did when he established Medina as a, as a state. And that's what the Muslims continue doing as they spread, um, you know, all the way to Europe. You know, they, uh, they established this, this um, uh, you know, this political uh, uh, sphere, you know, which protected the people and made, um, uh, you know, uh, brought the people into the light, you know, lifted the oppression uh, from the people that were living, um, you know, like that. And, uh, and when I saw that, I thought, you know what, I... Uh, and and like reading those stories, like of Sumaya, may Allah be pleased with her. I thought I have no right to keep quiet. I can't keep this to myself. I can't just keep this to a small circle of friends. You know, I have to, even in my, uh, no matter how, I have to, you know, discuss this with the world. You know, I have to bring this message to the world. And then, of course, with his Tahrir, you know, uh, reading the literature and then seeing like, this is the only group that I had come across that had all of those, you know, the way to do it, the methodology to do it, you know, and, and that is, I think what kind of, uh, um, you know, brought me to that point. And I think even today, what we're seeing with, with the people is that they're noticing this courage. They're seeing the, you know, that there's hot, you know, in the message of Islam. And so they're searching for these answers. And uh, and that's why they're coming to the Muslims, they're coming to the Quran. They're looking at the life of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam to, uh, you know, to help guide them. Uh, so, uh, Dr. Asreed, uh, I mean, obviously you're a doctor. You know, 11,000 killed, almost. 10,000 something, the number is probably is going to reach 11,000. Uh, 11,000 uh, were killed in Mosul when the Americans uh, dropped you know, bombs after bombs in Mosul. The number was almost 11,000. Uh, and in this case, mostly uh, women and children and elderly and uh, babies, uh, for God's sakes. Uh, and literally civilians uh, are just being literally targeted, you know, because, you know, these bombs are, you, you target them. You, these are so precise. You can, uh, you know, you know the level of technology that is being used today in wars. As a doctor, sister, when, when you, what do you, what, and what are your thoughts when you're seeing these scenes of children crying, the, the mothers are dead next to their children, uh, 
parents running around and all of your parents also uh, you know running around looking for their children looking for their parents themselves uh, I've, i'm you know talk to me as a doctor what happens in this situation sister when you see the kinds of scenes that doctors are having to see in gaza in the hospitals in gaza i think uh, regardless of whether you're a doctor brother i think just as a human being i think mm. you see these scenes and any decent human being you know your heart breaks you know your heart breaks day after day you know after day seeing these scenes of babies pulled out of rubble seeing scenes of mothers cradling their lifeless children in their arms scenes of fathers having lost their entire family uh you hear stories of sisters uh, having cesareans without no anesthesia subhanallah yeah. and not just no anesthesia but there's no pain to relieve pain re- relief for them yeah. after they have the operation without you know anesthesia sisters yeah. giving birth by torch light by by the light of a phone yeah. because there's no electricity examples of of children you know their skin burning because of the missiles yeah. Yeah. and children who have been orphaned you know just looking around desperately for their mothers and fathers being left with no one to care for them and then similarly parents having lost all their children you know having no one to to love and and to care for uh, this this is it's heartbreaking for any decent you know human being and what i would say brother in terms of what you were saying i mean gaza has become a graveyard for women and children we see this a graveyard for women and children completely indiscriminate bombing this nonsense of collateral damage when you know israel boasts and these these western governments boast of having the most precise technology and yet like you say almost 11000 killed 4000 over 4000 children and a uh, thousand or more buried still underneath the rubble Yeah. Break I mean, the numbers I'm sure it, it will come out to be more than 20,000 killed but yeah absolutely yeah. absolutely and all I can say brother is that this is a war against women and children in Gaza really it's, it's a war against women and children in Gaza and you see this when you see the fiz- figures i mean one palestinian child dying every 10 minutes two being injured the numbers are just unbelievable I mean, the, you can see it's a war against women and children when you hear of uh, phosphorus bombs being dropped on a school yeah. which was housing you know women and children of refugees yeah you can you know that it's a war against yeah you know it's a war against women and children when you hear that 200 plus schools have been damaged because of the strike today you hear stories of them bombing on nasser hospital Yeah. In northern Gaza, a children a pediatric hospital. Yeah, yeah. Children's hospital. The other day you hear of them dropping again bombing a pediatric hospital in in this in Gaza city which has the only cancer unit, only cancer unit and ward for children. So this is a you know this is a war to annihilate Muslims in Gaza but you can see very clearly the targeting of women and children. And, sister, and it you really know, reminds it, me of it's just that you know Sorry. from what i have seen in in war zones uh in the hospitals and that's why i'm kind of asking you know because whenever i'm there you know whenever there are bombings whenever there is you know these things happen women well at least in the beginning of the syrian revolution we 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 barely saw women coming to the hospitals many of them would actually 
just die in in their homes uh, because th- there were lack of female doctors and and especially in this type of situation and so you i mean now for instance even in these hospitals you're still seeing a lot of children and men you barely see uh, you know i'm 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 obviously out of shame and things like this we're, we're not you know putting out what's happening to sisters but sister ani uh, do you have any numbers do you have any understanding you know, what, you know the amount of women just let go of their lives in their homes under rubble because they just in these bombings they just can't come to hospitals it's difficult to know the exact numbers brother but i mean in terms of women and children we know it's 70% of the those who killed women and children these are the figures uh, there are 50,000 sisters who are pregnant yes uh, you know who don't have any access yeah. to medical care or you know antibiotics for any infection if they have a cesarean or you know an infection as a result of it um so this is a dire situation you can't even imagine having a cesarean having a cesarean in itself is a huge you know uh, like a, a huge uh, test for the woman but to have it with no anesthesia and to have no painkillers to relieve you and have no antibiotics to prevent infection you can't believe the scale of suffering you, it's mm. i mean this is the 21st century it's like we're living living in some medieval age really it seems like some medieval age yeah. and the people are just you know the the governments of the world are just watching us as if they're spectators in some kind of movie you know i just coming back to some of the examples that sister zahra and sister sarah example for myself i remember uh, when i was a teenager there were two wars which caught my attention which is what was going on in palestine but also what was going on in U- yugoslavia you yeah. know srebrenica yeah of course and the bosnian war was a real wake up call to many muslims in the west in europe especially that these were muslims that lived in the heart of europe Mm. and uh, they looked you know blue eyes mm. blue eyes and blonde they looked like anyone else you would not think that they were muslim and yet they were slaughtered and the question was asked why is no one coming to their aid you see these massacres and no one is coming to their aid and uh, you know this is nothing that made me think what is it that muslims why is it that muslims have no protection in the world today and you see exactly the same thing happening now in Palestine a massacre a genocide ethnic cleansing annihilation bloodbath and not one government is willing to step in protect you know the muslims them whether it's the western government or the muslim governments and it raises the question then who is it that will step in who is it that's needed to protect the muslims of palestine gaza and in other parts of the world and this is again emphasizing the only an islamic leadership only an islamic guardian the khalifa who understands his duty to allah will step in to protect the muslims regardless of where they are so this was a you know it's a wake up call for many muslims when we saw what was happening in bosnia and uh, you know we see exactly i think it's a wake up call for not just muslims now but non muslims when they see what's going on in gaza yeah uh, sister zahra you know uh, you are in turkey and and uh, you are in the heart of the muslim world in the capital of what was the khilafa uh, what, what what is the political situation there what uh, what's in the minds of the people uh, you know what 
do people think of when Erdogan comes and blows hot, hay, you know, hot air, uh, you know, speech after speech after speech after speech. It's like, you know, for God's sakes, end it now. You know, what what what's going on in the psyche of the Turks, especially who were once in leadership and control of Palestine? This situation now was one of the awakening moments for the Ummah. Until now, really, a lot of people still believe that Erdogan is going to be the next Khalifa in this world, defending the Muslims across the world, because this is what he claims to do. Mm. And some people really believed that he is hiding himself, he is holding himself back. Mm. But now, with this new attack, I just say, this renewed attack on mm. Palestine and Gaza, Alhamdulillah, the majority of the Muslims woke up, especially among uh, among the officers and soldiers within the armies and police officers. They really? I mean, tell, tell me some examples. Do you see this yani, a renewed type of yani, what the hell is going on type of thing? Like this is enough? Yani. Really, it is. The Ummah has really united. There is a minority which is being blown up by the main media, pushed, uh, made bigger and louder by the media, uh, main media here itself. But the reality is that almost all communities, Muslim communities came together. They agree that there must be a united force moving out to Palestine to rescue the people militarily. Uh, with military power. Additionally, there are so many interviews with ex-officers and current mm. officers from the armies, especially one was really so, Subhanallah, it shook me really. I got goosebumps listening to him. He said, give me just 250 people and it will be enough to cleanse Gaza from all the Jews from this occupation. You know, this is one officer stating this, no, and it is enough for the Ummah. People are not content anymore with reading yeah. Surah Al-Fatih yeah. and uh, joining hands and doing various prayers against uh, this occupation and against this ethnic cleansing. The awareness is raising from day to day. Yesterday, subhanAllah, um, somebody shared information about uh, about how Jews view other people and especially Muslims. Mm. For the Jews, Muslim people or other human beings, others than Jews, are nothing more than stones. Anything that belongs to them has to be destroyed. This is written in their kind, in their version of Torah, in their belief. Anything that is not yours, anything that is not of you, has to be destroyed. Burn even the grass, kill the animals. Well, they have the whole concept of mowing the grass. You know, I mean, literally, they talk about yeah. it. They say mow the grass, meaning literally just mow the people alive. Doesn't matter what's who's there. Yes, for them, and this is something that a lot of people really didn't know. We as Muslims are really always prepared to be. Uh, I say, prepared to be tolerant and understanding and embracing towards anybody else, to, towards everybody. But now the reality comes clearer. 
mm. among the Muslims. At the time where the Muslims went out to the streets calling for the armies to move towards uh, Palestine, our Erdogan made the opening of a church. Mm. He, yes. he opens new churches, he opens new temples, he opens new uh, places of worship for Jews. He embraces everything. Look at the statistics. People are really... When you go out to the streets, I just went to the supermarket today to buy some things, and really, subhanAllah, the supermarkets are empty. You can't find almost any uh, brands that are connected somehow to Israel. People don't buy it. People are boycotting any products from Israel. They're boycotting even the supermarkets uh, led by Muslim companies if they sell anything uh, that belongs to Israel. And even the people, people bought potatoes, you know, 20 kilos of potatoes, potatoes and onions. Those two men came to the cashier and said, are these potatoes really from Turkey or are they bought, bought from Israel? This is the idea that people have. People don't go shopping. They buy from each other. They go to the farmers buying things from each other. And really, they uh, encourage each other not uh, to be involved somehow in anything that is connected to Israel. On the other side, at the same time, uh, the Turkish government is boasting with its, um, how I say, uh, trade figures with Israel. Yeah, the largest it, uh, business it, trade deals are with Israel. Yeah. Yes. And he and was. All, he seemed that he was almost there to beg uh, Netanyahu right before this happened. Regarding the G20 pipeline, he when that pipeline went under Turkey, he was going to beg Netanyahu mm -hmm. for allowing that pipeline to actually go through Turkey rather than under Turkey. So, yani, subhanAllah. So that means, it, just one more thing, that regarding the, uh, you, you know, the armies, you, know, we, you always look at Turkish army as a very secular army. You know, I mean, we used to see this on the Turkish border. Whenever, you know, we're going in through the borders, uh, in, in Syria. I mean, we went obviously through legal borders, you know, but it, 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 the Turkish army many times used to shoot towards the Syrians that were trying to come out the other way. And, you know, so I had this thing that what's up with these people, man? I mean, sometimes they would shoot people some, and if there was somebody who had some type of, you know, Islam in him, they would shoot, you know, towards the ground and not shoot the people and things like this. And then, so that understanding was just like, man, these people are not human beings. But you're telling me, no, the, the, when this happened, the Turkish army, there is some movement to say what in the world is going on. Alhamdulillah. But we must not forget, these armies are led by this regime. Mm. And soldiers have no power. They have to obey. Mm. And it's the same with uh, the situation in Syria. We also forget uh, that some information that leaks out from the armies is really being made bigger by especially secular uh, ones to show that, look, the Turkish army is not as Muslim as you want. And of course, there are officers within the army, within the police forces who are really secular and Islam hostile. We must not forget that. The majority of the judges here in Turkey are Islam hostile. Mm. So we live in a non-Muslim country, although the population is Muslim, although the majority of the population says 
that it is Muslim. The reality is Muslims, a lot of people have forgotten what it is like to be a Muslim. Mm. A lot of people don't that they have became secularized, become secularized, this secular Islamic uh, new form of regime that we have until AKP and Erdogan. A lot of people still believe in the sayings that uh, come from their rulers. So especially with regards to soldiers and police officers, we have seen the same situation uh, in Syria with the soldiers in the army within the army in Syria. We had to watch how those soldiers who opposed the oppression were killed by their uh, companions. Yeah. We have seen the same situation in Egypt. We have seen yeah. a terrible situation in Bangladesh a few years ago. Yeah. Uh, we all remember those soldiers. But the react so this means, subhanAllah, I don't want to say too much at once, but any army or any force, any power comes only through leadership. If mm. the leadership is corrupt, then it doesn't matter how much Iman you have, how much compassion you have for your people or for your Ummah. It is always the leadership that decides where you have to go and wh uh, wh which step you have to take. So what has changed within the officers and armies, inshallah, and inshallah this change will grow even further. What has changed it uh, is that they now question the reality of their leaders. Mm. That they say, okay, we have the power to bring change in Gaza. We have the power, we have the power to bring change in Syria, but we were always deployed to some other uh, operation. We have always been taken back. So now they are questioning the reality. Now, I feel it's the same like when we met the correct ideas of Islam, everybody comes to a, a breaking point where he just starts to say, okay, if this is Islam and this is the reality in which I live, I have to find the point where the mistake was made. Mm. And everybody who is questioning will find the correct answer. And reality is even if we are, while we even witness uh, footages on social media of people saying, now I'm interested in Islam, I converted to Islam today because of the uh, attitude of the Muslims in Gaza. Even if non-Muslims are changing, becoming Muslims now, that's a very, uh, yeah. Change within what about Islam and Muslims? Muslims yeah. uh, Sister Sarah, a question for you, you know, uh, well, you're here in the US and the, the I mean, you're seeing there's a lot of activism going on. I mean, every, uh, you know, almost in every states, uh, you know, here in, the, in, in, you know, Illinois or Washington, I mean, there was a huge number. I think almost 400,000 people were in, uh, uh, in Washington the other day, in Saturday. There's 500,000 people in London. I mean, Chicago streets, I mean, we are here uh, very close to downtown. There's almost every weekend, every Saturday, there's a demonstration going on. Uh, some are turning also violent, uh, you know, sometimes because of obviously people are tired, people are very, uh, I mean, there's a lot of anger. But uh, how, how should we channel this energy, sister? 
to to the right direction, you know, because there's a, there's a lot of leftists here, you know, here in Chicago, or I think even close to this area, we have posters being posted on, you know, all different polls and trees even. I saw the other day talking about, you know, uh, you know, kidnappings in Israel, and then the other side comes and puts something else, meaning there's a lot of activism going on. How do we channel this? So, and the reason I'm saying this is because there's a lot of leftists involved. Right. I mean, you, you look at, people are looking at looking up to Che Guevara and people are looking at communist ideas. And again, how do we make sure that this is not taken in the wrong direction? Um, yeah, that's, that's a good question because that's definitely something that I've noticed and something that, um, you know, Muslims, I mean, this, I think what happened here and what, uh, you know, the Biden administration's response has really shook a lot of Muslims. I mean, even staffers are out there, of, uh, outside White House, saying yeah, that enough absolutely. is enough. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, absolutely, because this is so shocking. We've never seen anything like this before, you know, whether you're Muslim or non-Muslim. And I think that probably, you know, we need to unpack, because the Muslims are looking, they're trying to figure out the, the Muslims in the West, right, the, that live here in, in the U.S., they're looking for a solution. They know that, okay, wait a minute, you know, four years ago or three years ago, I was calling Biden a breath of fresh air. <laughs> and now he's turned into gen genocide Joe, oh. right? So they're like, okay, so this isn't working for us. You know, voting for a Democrat isn't working. Voting for a Republican isn't working. Even, you know, Bernie Sanders, who was, you know, like Uncle Bernie. You know, so many Muslim leaders in the U.S. used to call him or they would call him Uncle Bernie because he would speak out about the issue of Palestine and he was Jewish. But now we see where he stands. He's saying no to the ceasefire and that we stand firmly behind, you know, the state of Israel, the U.S. does. So channeling it, you know, is kind of going in and we have to. Uh, break down into chunks, you know, the failure of communism, the failure of socialism or democratic socialism, which I feel like so many people are now, um, you know, kind of going into that direction here. So breaking that down, letting, you know, uh, uh, you know, giving the, the, the right solution for the Muslims, like, hey, you know, look, Islam has a political system. Islam has a social system, you know, that should be implemented under the, you know, the 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 Khilafah state. You know, this is what Muslims are missing. They don't know that this exists. They don't know to look for that. And I mean, we know that, right? A lot of the scholars here, uh, you know, they kind of, uh, you know, they, you know, just rub their hands away from this idea. You know, we can't do that. We have to get involved with politics, da 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 da, da. So going through and, uh, you know, really breaking it down for the people and uh, letting them know, hey, this isn't the solution. Some of these things are a means, like the protesting, the boycotting. You know, this is letting everyone know where we stand, but it's not the final solution. You know, we're, we're looking at an occupation here. That is, that is happening. An occupation is not going to uh, just change all of a sudden because we're not buying certain products um, or uh, because 
you know, one man-made system in the U.S. is going to change to another man-made system, which mm. we all know that, uh, you know, that uh, that uh, the, the Zionist entity is there for a reason. You know, the U.S. isn't just going to let it go. You know, it is its stronghold in the Middle East. They need it there. They're not going to let it go. They're not going to let it go whether we have a, a Democrat, Republican, an independent, um, you know, uh, um, you know, a president that comes in or a Congress that comes in under the independent or the Green Party. We're not, it's not going to change if we, if we change the system to a communist system or to a socialist system or to a Democratic. Because look, none of the other, we have, you don't see China, you don't see Russia, you don't see anybody else coming to the aid of, of uh, the Palestinians. Uh, 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 just, you know, there was an uh, interview that was done with uh, Pearson, I think his last name is, you know, he's very famous online. He does all these podcasts and things like this. But anyway, he bought uh, this guy from the Israeli, uh, uh, used to be in, 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 in the Knesset and things like this. And so the interview was obviously very long and obviously very praising of Israel and, you know, Israel and, and uh, like this. But there was one question that, that really... Uh, I was shocked that he, 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 even him was, you know, he, he was, he was very, uh, it was very interesting. He said, uh, the person asked him, he said, you know, are you, do you think that you're, are you, you'll be able to get rid of Hamas? Now, the answer was surprising because he said, you know, you cannot kill ideas. And so he was saying that, look, uh, it's not about Hamas. It's where they get their ideas from. And no matter what we use, this is why we have to kill them all. We have to, yani, it, there has to be a, a, a slaughter like this in many ways. Because, I mean, he's not saying it openly, but you can feel that he's saying that, look, you know, because it's, it's their ideas that we can't, we can't do anything about what, you know, you, so the question to you is, or to everyone, you, anyone here can jump in now, is West has failed to, to, to convince us of their ideas. Is this what it is now? I mean, is now the, is, is, is it a war with Hamas and, and Hezbollah or Hezbollah or, or is it, war of ideas now that will move our armies or, or, or the nations. I guess what I'm asking is, has the international system failed? It has nothing more to give. So that the only thing that can happen now is you kill babies and women. I mean, this is the only way they have to kill ideas. You know, kill them like yeah. do what Firaun did before they get any ideas. I think this is the nature, brother, of... There's a few points, I think, that come to mind with the question that you asked. The first of all is that this the whole discussion that this is an issue of Hamas, mm. the reality of any occupation is that when you occupy people, you will always have resistance movements. That's the reality, you know, throughout history. Whenever you have settler colonialism, you will always have opposition from the people who lived within that land. This is the reality of it. It's nonsense that, you know, uh, you know, targeting Hamas. The reality is you will always have resistance movements in terms of that. Uh, 
The second point, I think this whole discussion, brother, one thing that's really important is that it should really create a debate on the way forward. And you say mm. battle of ideas, absolutely, but it should create a discussion uh, with Muslims and even with non-Muslims about what is the way to solve these kind of genocides in the world. And there are various issues I think that we need to discuss. First of all, I think there are still Muslims who have some faith, unfortunately, in the political systems of the West. So even here, still discussions about how we should lobby particular politicians more, try and put pressure on council, you no, know, like councillors on on MP, Muslim MPs, on particular MPs, in order for them to, uh, you know, step in and basically support the Palestinians more. There's still this idea that you can use the political system in order to create change. And I just want to give you know some examples of how that's total nonsense. Like there's a politician just yesterday, Muslim politician, he was a front bench minister in the opposition party, the Labour Party, Imran Hussein. And he felt that he had to resign his position because he couldn't even call for a ceasefire, you know, to stop the bloodbath. So he had to actually go out of the political system in order to uh, express his views. Mm -hmm. Because while he was within the political system, he couldn't express the real views that he had towards what was going on. And even the Labour Party in the UK, which has always kind of been seen as the more pro-Muslim party, the current leader, Keir Starmer, in an interview, when he was asked, is it right for Israel to block the entrance of, you know, fuel and water and basic needs into uh, into Gaza, he said, yeah, Israel has a right to do that. Even though he's a human rights lawyer, he said Israel has a right to do that. So you see that the political system in the West is totally rigged. It's rigged in a way where... Uh, the dominant voices, and here is those who support Israel, will always, you know, come come out top. So, and then so many examples of this in the political system today, like Hamza Yusuf, who who is the leader of the Scottish National Party. Mm, he even mm. has family in Gaza who are stuck there, who was who were stuck there because they closed all the borders. Even he was arguing that Israel has the right to defend itself. So this, you know, when you get when you get pulled into the political system of the West, the nature is even if you have particular views towards Palestinians, towards Muslims, often you can't express those views because you have to toe the political line. So therefore, it is completely futile to try and change the situation through the political system, remembering that these were the actual states that created and supported and financed the entity of uh, the Zionist entities to start off with, isn't it? So why are you going into the den of the criminals who supported the criminal entity in order to try and stop the situation? I think in America as well, was it Ilhan Omar yeah. who supported the bill? Yeah. Supported the bill uh, yeah. of uh, you know supplying you know the billions to yeah. the Zionist entity in terms of helping their military aid. So this is one discussion that's really important for us as Muslims to have. What's the way forward in this? Is it engaging more in the political system of the West? Is it the United Nations or is it something else? And I think the we need to show Muslims that it's, a, it's an army that is uh, decimating a people. And the mm -hmm. only way to prevent that is having an army to protect the people.
And in today's reality, the Muslim rulers will not, you know, mobilize these treacherous rulers, cowardly rulers, these rulers who are in the hands of the West, uh, will never actually mobilize the Muslim armies to the defense. So therefore, what is needed to mobilize the Muslim armies to the defense of the Muslims of Gaza is an Islamic leadership. And I think that's the direction of discussion that has to be had. Sister Zahra, you know, the, uh, nationalism is huge in Turkey. I mean, you know, Turkish nationalism, Turkish language, Turkish this. Sister, I mean, of course, I, I'm, I was listening, you know, I mean, obviously I'm listening to what you're saying, that, that what the mood is right now in Turkey. Do you think the people of Turkey might, might forget what's happening? I mean, you know, this is, we have a disease, you, you know, of forgetfulness. Unfortunately, the Ummah is, you know, we forgot Rohingya, uh, which is ongoing. We forgot uh, Uyghur Muslim, the situation there. I mean, as the sister was saying that, look, it, you know, the Bosnia situation was literally neighbor to Turkey and stuff like this. So uh, do you feel that it's, 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 is it a hype or is it, is it going to be something that, that, that may actually have some impact in you know will create some serious cracks within the Turkish ideological framework well within the Muslims subhanallah within the Muslim community Palestine has never been an issue that was forget forgotten mm. it was always active it was always a hot topic it's still a hot topic and it will always be a hot topic just remember Mavi Marmara, you know, this ship yeah, yeah, yeah. that uh, yeah. left towards Palestine. Yeah. Flotilla, it seems. Subhanallah. Yeah, yeah this flotilla. Yeah. Subhanallah. That was one of the moments where the Ummah in Turkey became aware that they can't reach anything with the regime here. That all the things, those who united on that, on that flotilla, Mavi Marmara, weren't even Turkish, all of them Turkish nationals. There were so many Turkish people and non-Muslims amongst them yeah, yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and those even Mavi Marmara, after Mavi Marmara, people, Muslims always um, have shown activism for Palestine. There are so many organizations really working day and night in order to support Palestine and the Muslims in Palestine, in order to liberate Al-Quds. There are so many that I know even personally. There are so many of them. Yes, there is. We must not forget in a world, as you just said, this is a war between uh, amongst ideas. This is a war not just between the ideas of the Western West, living in the West and the Muslims here, it is really a war of ideas, and this war of ideas doesn't know, has no borders, has mm. no limits. It doesn't know any nationality, even within the non-Muslims, even within the West. Just to add what, to what Sister Nazreen said before, maybe as a comparison to nationalism, the Muslims have become aware that there can't be anything like nationalism, even if 
Erdogan and his regime are talking of national borders and national interests and protecting the future of, and the benefits of uh, Turkey. Some people, at the beginning, really until last week, some people amongst Muslim communities even said, what shall we do if we send out the armies to Palestine? then the whole world will unite against us and Turkey will be drawn into the midst of a war. Do you want war in your country? We are already surrounded by the war of, in Syria. Now, currently, when they listen to what is going on is towards uh, uh, the genocide, actually nothing. Actually, they are supporting the genocide unilaterally. Especially just one example from Germany. Last week, um, a German general announced that Germany will stand with its army in Israel with its life and death. It is a matter of life of death supporting Israel. This is mm. what the German general said. Mm. I mean, there are so many other things going on. Looking at the numbers and footages and pictures coming from the war zone. Muslims, really, they either you get stronger in your devotion, uh, in your determination mm. to do something in the name for Allah, or you decide not to be part of this ummah, of this society. And this mm. separation part really very clearly at the moment, especially in Turkey. Turkish people don't care about nationalism. They have never cared about nationalism. It's only the regimes that set up those borders and try with all their might to protect these borders and to implant these ideas of uh, nationalism. And it was never able to delete the unity, the, the, the compassion amongst the Muslims, within the Muslims, towards other parts of, Muslim, of the Muslim Ummah. Muslim people don't forget, especially in Turkey, Turkish people do not forget. Those who forget are those who have denied Islam, who have rejected Islam. How can they and forget? Is, the whole infrastructure is the Uthmani Khilafah. Everything around you is Uthmani Khilafah. Every masjid has a, a name of a sultan. Every, uh, I mean, graves of, of sultans and the graves of khulafa and ulama and sahaba. I mean, you know, uh, Ayyub al-Ansari he's there and I mean he, there is no I mean meaning that uh, it, it cannot be removed from the conscience of the Turks I mean at the end of the day I think even uh, even Turkish nationalism has to be based on Islamic whatever that means you know because they have no other history other than Islam well they can produce one lying is easy for a kafir and making mm. his lies believable is easy as well and we must not forget, even within the group that made Hijra the first time uh, during the time of Rasulullah Abyssinia, yeah, yeah. yeah. one of them, they were, they were all Muslims. They left Mecca in order to live their Islam in safety. And mm. amongst them was one who left Islam after he migrated. Mm. You know, the, in the end, it is not only an exam, a testing for the whole of the Ummah and for the whole of the mankind. In the end, it is a test for every single individual. And during test, times of testing, everyone of everyone 
really each one of us is being tested with the pictures, with the events, with um, support from the non-Muslims, whatever. There will be tests where everybody has to make a decision. And as I said, this is not just a really sincere Muslim is not able to forget the pain of his sisters and brothers across the world. But those who do forget are really, if you talk to them, they have forgotten that they are Muslims. They have forgotten why they have chosen Islam or if they even chose Islam. And the difference, the separation between Iman and Kufr becomes clearer and clearer day by day. So what they did in Turkey as well, really the government tried to push forward the idea Erdogan is doing the correct thing. He has all the knowledge that mm. is necessary to support this nation and to uh, support the Muslims in Gaza. Now, after four weeks of oppression, now the Muslims came to a point where they really criticize him. Yeah. All in public, people are saying, if you can't do it, just open the borders, we'll go. Sorry? I mean, I heard people saying, even uh, I heard the charities, at least the flotilla, and I think there's one more, uh, Ihaha and others are talking about actually breaking the siege, uh, taking in ships again, and to try to see if they can enter Gaza. And I don't know if this is a game, or is this just to kind of calm people down, that, okay, this is the way, supposedly, you're going to send in, non, you know, these charity ships that will take them some bandages and some uh, uh, potatoes. Uh, or is it, I mean, is this, uh, I mean... You, the, the the average person is showing the type of courage we've never seen before. Even people are trying to do whatever they can to break the siege, and and I'm sure there's this type of frustration within the armies, especially when they see uh, people, uh, German uh, generals are saying, you know, we're going to take the whole army there and protect Israel. The question here is, I think the main question here that every single Muslim should ask himself is. You know, people say, what can I do in order to support Gaza? This is a very standard question that every human being asks himself. What can I do? Uh, what possibilities do I have? This is currently the major question going on in public, mm. in every single Muslim. But the true question that we should ask ourselves and the true question of which we should uh, remind the Ummah is, what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala want us to do? It is not what can I do. Mm. The question is, mm. what does Allah want me to do? And so within Ihaha, within various other organizations, there are people really doing their best. They are uh, like with the case of the flotilla of Mavi Marmara. Right. They wanted to do something. And Alhamdulillah, inshallah, they become martyrs, inshallah, because they were sincere. But the point is, we have to remind all of them, it is not a question of what we can do, if we can break the siege, if we can break the borders, if we can do this and that, or can I do, can I boycott, can I question Erdogan, can I question, I don't know, Germany, whatever. The question is, what does Allah want me mm. to do? And there comes mm. the Shari Hukum. Mm. 
And this is where Islam shows its profile, its true profile. So every person who says, I am Muslim, has to ask the question, what does Allah and his messenger want me to do? And the answer that comes upon this question is the only correct answer, and that has to be fulfilled. So even if people are trying to do something out of their really good motivation of good intentions, it is not the correct decision. Even if they try to break the siege, even if there are soldiers and uh, officers within the armies or wherever who decide, give me 250 men, give me 2,000 men, and I will go to Gaza and rescue them. This is correct action. The correct action is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has a decision, has an answer for this issue, for this one specific issue. And this answer is the shari hukum for me that I have to obey and to fulfill. If I do my actions based on a shari hukum and not just on my intention, then Allah will send his support. Mm. Then mm. we will be able to do the correct thing. Even if we have the correct intentions, as long as it is not based on Quran and Sunnah and Ashari Hukum, therefore, it will not bring the effect that we desire. So the Muslims here want to do something. The separation between Iman and Kufr becomes clearer and clearer because it is a war of ideas, a war of Islam and non-Islamic ideas. So the solution is clear in our hands. And the Muslims will find it. Sister Sarah, I, I, I know we are, we are reaching in almost an hour and more, but just another question here regarding, you know, many ayat, especially the one comes to mind, you know, in Naziyat, you know, some of the ayat that talk about that when people were put in these trenches, you know, they were burned to death and, and families were brought in and they were, the believers were literally shoved into this fire. And Sayyid Qutb, he says that literally, you know, people were not only watching this happen, but there were people who were laughing at the killing of these people. So I'm wondering, sister, you know, when you look at what goes through your mind as a mother, uh, I mean, as a human being, and especially mother and then a Muslim, and when you see that children are being slaughtered the way they are, and you find Muslims... <laughs> of Saudi Arabia dancing on tunes of the West. I mean, that description is of the description of the kuffar, I mean, in the Quran, that these people were laughing at the death of believers. And here you are in Riyadh, you know, Muslim Riyadh, these people are sitting there and they are, I mean, men are moving uh, like they lost their, their, man, their manhood. I mean, what do you have to say to the Saudis, sister? I mean, I, you know, of what they have done to their families and what the ulama have done to their families and their society in general. Well, uh, I mean, uh, I think that the the people of Saudi are, you know, the citizens, the general citizens are feeling that burning anger as well. You know, like, but they're uh, they're oppressed. I mean, they cannot just go out on the street like we can. You know, but when I mean, looking at, at, at this just recently, I think um, 
yesterday or day before yesterday, the Saudi Minister of Investment, he was at the yeah, Bloomberg, um, right? Yeah, yeah, the New Economy Forum or whatever, and he made a statement. Um, I mean, uh, I, I actually wrote it down because I couldn't believe it. You know that even even with all of this going on, he had the audacity to say. Um, uh, he said, basically, see. we have nothing to do with oh, the region. He, asked, he basically, yeah, well, I, I mean, he said that we will persist in its attempt. He was asked about the normalization, oh. you know, and he said, uh. we will persist in its attempts to normalize di diplomatic relations with Israel. Uh. I mean, uh, this, I, when I read it, my, I, I couldn't believe it. I mean, he, they don't, they're not shameful at all. They don't even try to hide it one iota to actually say this as our, our mothers, our sisters, our daughters, brothers, children of the Ummah are literally just being slaughtered every minute. You know, carpet bombings, the burning, the, you know, and not just that, but all, you know, the, um, they're starving to death you know, because of the siege. And here they are just acting like we still want to be friends with these people. That's what I'm talking How? about, sister. Look, How? this is what I'm, 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 I'm I guess I'm, this is also now to all of you, sisters. Yani. Did, it's one thing that, look, obviously we are not, Islam is not implemented. We understand that. It's very clear. Yani it's very clear. But, but it, did something go wrong within the way we are uh, how our children are growing up. Yani, when you look at the, the 90,000 people attended Mosam al Riyadh, uh, this, this show. 90,000 right. Saudis. And this is just who were actually there in the, con in, in, in the concerts. I'm not talking about people watching it live. I'm not talking about people, you know, people are making. And of course, there are people who are, uh, they're next to the masajid and they can, they're, 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 they're making videos saying that, look, look how loud this music is. And then look how the masajid are in Riyadh and things like this. But the way the youth are coming out and dancing on the streets, the way the women are dancing uh, in, in the middle of these, you know, in, 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 you know, without any shame. Uh, what, what, I mean, the the West in the youth in the West in general at this point are not doing that. I mean, five hundred thousand people to come out in the streets of London and to say this must stop, ceasefire. Even the Jews here, you know, who are who oppose this, uh, what's going on, are speaking up and going and you know. But then you find, fine, you can't come up on the fine, you can't go on the streets. But the idea that you're going to with the genocide of the Muslims, fine, you may have forgotten the rest of the places in the world, but as... What, what happened? Is, is it our family structure? Is it a moral system? What broke down to this level, sisters? Anyone can pick up on this, please, because I mean, I, I, I want to I know, as you, are, you guys, you know, your, your mothers and your daughters, and when you see men doing these things on the street, what goes through your mind? Like, what did we do? I mean, I, I, this is the, you know, the, um, the end result of the decades long, you know, uh, um, 
secularization, westernization of the of Saudi, of UAE. You know, the, these are the two biggest, you know, examples that we have yeah. seen, you know, the Halloween UAE is celebrating Diwali. The, yeah, Halloween, they, they had, uh, you know, some... Oh, forget Halloween, Diwali. Literally, yeah. you go to the airport yeah. and it says Happy Diwali, the Hindu festivals. Yeah, subhanAllah. And, uh, you know, so this is what, uh, this is what we're, what we're, this is the fruit of that, you know, that we're seeing there, you know, in Saudi, the nationalism, the, you know, okay, the, we're not... Uh, we're not from them, they're not from us, you know, so this is what is going on. I mean, this is what the scholars just kind of say, oh, make dua, and this is enough. And then they give them, you know, the access to watching uh, Western movies, Bollywood movies. And this is what is influencing, you know, the youth. And then, of course, you know, we can't, uh, you know, forget the, the way that, um, you know, the feminist uh you know, ideology has been introduced into the Muslim households, you know, taking the mothers out of the home. And, um, you know, the kids are kind of being raised on TV, uh, you know, watching shows and all of these things. So, you know, this is the fruit of all that entertainment, individualism. You know, I like, okay, I can send some money, you know, maybe some of them did. I can send some money. I can make dua for them. But, you know, this is about me and my life. I want to go and party. I want to go and see. I think I I don't know who, who performed there. I think it was Shakira or somebody. Yeah. You know, I want to go to that concert. You know, I I want to go see her perform because you know I've been you know this this doesn't this didn't happen before. But now we're we're able to live free. You know, um, and uh, and so that's I think what it is now. What goes? I mean, to my look, mind look. I, 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 here's the thing, sister. Look, you, you know, I, I sorry, I didn't want to. It's just that I saw I saw a convert sister in Jordan. Uh, she was talking to the officers. There were a lot of police officers and police officers were just going at the protesters. This was in Amman. And the sister, she said, look, man, I accepted. In Arabic, she told them, I accepted Islam, learned Arabic, moved to the Islamic lands, and you are doing this to me. I'm being beaten for calling for Islam. In the Muslim lands. Yeah. And a sister who accepted Islam, and she's telling him in his own language. Maybe he won't understand English because you're trying to be so damn English. So here, let me tell you in, in your own language so you might understand that what in the world is going on? Sister, you know, go ahead, continue, sister. I'm, I'm just shocked at, at the level of... I, of, of yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, that's why... Go ahead, go ahead. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Zahra, you were saying. As I said... As I said before, this is really a, a testing for every individual. But we must not forget that what is presented in the media serves actually only the kuffar. Look at the pictures of the dead children. And let's start with, the, with that one point. Look at the statistics that come from war zones across the world regarding Muslims. We have seen those numbers in Iraq, we have seen them in yeah. Afghanistan, we have seen them in Myanmar, now in Gaza, everywhere. They just present, and look, oh, uh, in Gaza, women uh, are undergoing caesarean without anesthesia. Children are being Hello. amputated without anesthesia. They are, I don't know, uh, subhanAllah, all those horror things that you really don't want to watch at Hollywood movies or whatever. But sister, here, here. These are the the patients, patients in Gaza, 
when they are being trying to, they're trying to take them out. The ambulances are going in. And I'm talking to some doctors. They're saying, Akhi, Wallahu we are trying to take out two, two calls. One brother told me, he's trying, they're trying to take out the ambulances. And they were taking the, the most injured, elderly people who could not move. So they were stuck in their home. The bombs fell on them. The Egyptian army literally rejected them, saying, take them back in. Another brother called me yeah. saying, we took our families, we went around this mountain area trying to enter Jordan. Jordanian army literally shot at our legs saying, if you enter Jordan, we will shoot you. Yani, as, have we lost well, humanity in general? Yes. There are two things that we have to separate. First of all, the actions of the individuals, and secondly, the actions of the states and the media. The media presents all these numbers and pictures in order to really not to inform us that we get an idea of what is going on. It is just to motivate their own coward people. Look, these people are dying. I mean, 10,000 children, every 10 minutes, uh, one child is dying. SubhanAllah, yes, they are saying that not because of compassion or not because they feel guilt or something else or just to give statistics. No, this is a motivation for them. And then at the same time, all those news about the Muslims dancing in Riyadh, of course there are people dancing. Of course there are just human beings, even if they are Muslim. And we don't know if they are Muslims. We know of Orientalists for hundreds of 150 years that they were among us living as scholars and in reality, they were just Orientalist spies for, uh, like, yeah. Samuel Swema, for example, from Netherlands. SubhanAllah, we don't know if there are Muslims or not, but these pictures serve in order to motivate and encourage their coward people and soldiers and regimes while discouraging our Ummah. SubhanAllah, I'm not interested in anything that another Muslim or non-Muslim does. For me, counts only what I am going to answer my Allah. This is all that counts. On the other side, really, having those pictures of these regimes, we all know Egypt serves the Jews since ever. Why has Morsi been uh, tortured in, uh, in jail and in the end, subhanAllah, died in jail? Why? Because he also also thought that he can somehow arrange it with the Jews and with the Israeli and the, uh, the West. In the end, the West saw, no, those people who follow you will not agree with your ideas. And he, they removed them and replaced him with a real terrorist dictator. This is the same going on here. Turkey is watching what is going, what is going on in Gaza. And today, the Minister of Health announced proudly they are going to take into Turkey uh, cancer, pa cancer patient children from Gaza. Masha. SubhanAllah, is this what you can do? Yeah. And this is something being proud to be proud of? This is the reality of our regimes and the reality of our Ummah is a completely different one. And those pictures that we see on media, don't trust them. Yes, there are human beings doing something that is not agreeable for us as Muslims and especially not accepted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But this is their test. Our test. I mean, look, I, I would like to believe what you're saying, sister, but 90,000 people 
in these concerts, it's making me think, what the heck the role did the ulama play? And this is obviously, you know, I'm, I, you know, you, 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 it's, it's mind-boggling to be honest, Yani, uh, that this yeah, is happening in Mecca and Medina, an hour from Mecca Medina. You know, but if I can just make a point, is the reaction? Sorry, ahead, sister. It's the reaction. Sorry, No, I'm going to come to the ulama because those men need to get it too. But go ahead, brother, sister. So I, I'm just going to make a point here, brother. Like, in addition to what Sister Sarah was saying about this is like a decades-long influx of Western culture into the Muslim world, I think the promotion of this kind of culture, like you're saying, with the parties and the festivals and all of this nonsense, is actually there's a very clear agenda behind this as well, which is to distract and divert the attention of the youth away from the affairs of the world. You know what's going on in the world. Even in the West, there's this concept of dumbing down. You know, dumbing down their youth by basically getting them involved in all these kind of reality TV shows and all this nonsense on social media that they follow, parties and drugs and alcohol, all this stuff. Um, it's it's about all, even like football, you know, this constant, this obsession with these kind of footballers or yeah, film the stars. Pakistanis are worried about uh, losing to uh, uh, Afghanistan in cricket. It's a direct objective, which is to dumb down. When you dumb down the people, then you make them less angry with what's going on in the world and what's going on in their societies and what the governments are doing. So the governments can take the people for a ride. But similarly, in the Muslim world, these rulers, uh, obviously, they embrace the Western culture and they promote it within their societies. And unfortunately, this is affecting the youth. It's affecting the education systems in our lands, political systems, all of these things, entertainment, all of this. But there's a very clear agenda that if you divert and you distract the people through these kind of things, not just these kind of festivals and celebrations, but the whole beauty industry, you know, the whole fashion industry that women get involved in, it's all distraction and, and uh, diversion from the Ummah thinking about the affairs of the Ummah and thinking about the actions of their rulers, being less angry, uh, you know, towards the rulers and the fact that they are just stationary while the Ummah is bleeding, why they're not doing anything. There's a very clear objective in terms of promoting this kind of distraction culture uh, within, within our societies. And it comes to a really important point as mothers, you know, this whole discussion is mothers, like, you know, what is it that we need to do that it's very important that, inshallah, that we um, protect our children from this kind of diversion culture and really make them understanding of what their role is as Muslims in this world, which is that they are the ones who will take the, the light of Islam from this generation and spread it to the world. They are the ones who should be the shield for the ummah when they're bleeding. They are the ones, inshallah, who should be the forefront of fighting against oppression and corruption and we need to give them an understanding of the politics of the world. You know, Palestine didn't happen October 7th. What exactly happened in Palestine? What's the history behind it? The concepts of nationalism and the problems it causes, all these concepts. It's really important as Muslim mothers, fathers, we really understand how to shield our children from this corrupt culture today and mm -hmm. make them enlightened thinkers and make them educated about the world and its affairs and how to solve those problems. And this is a kind of discussion I think we need to have in our communities as well. You know, make them understand what's going on in Palestine and Kashmir, what's the history behind it, what the rulers are doing, you know, what the politics of the West is, what is the United Nations all about, you know, what what's the solution to this problem, you know, the Khilafah, why do we say it's a solution to this problem, what's the role of the armies? We need to have these discussions with our children so they're proud of being Muslim 
and they understand their role of taking up the, you know, being the vanguards of truth, and inshallah, uh, taking up this battle, like you say, the battle of ideas, so that they have the concepts and the courage to be able to do this in a very clear, clear, and uh, very uh, determined and resolute way, inshallah. Inshallah, Zakallah khair, sister, sister Zahra, last, uh, yani, just take thirty seconds to, if you were talking to the army today, right, as the mother of the ummah. Uh, these men and these, you know, uh, and of course, there's many, uh, you know, women who are playing different roles as, as 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 part of the nation. What would you say uh, in this, you know, these few seconds, if you had the chance, uh, when you are seeing what you're what you're seeing in Gaza uh, to these to these men of the armies? I would say the same thing, like all the sisters and brothers in Gaza do. It is with the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I think that one ayah that really impresses me is the one in Surah Tawbah 14. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Fight them, Allah will punish them by your hands and will disgrace them and give you victory over them and satisfy the breasts of believing people. This is all that I want to say to them. Allah. And Sister Sarah, uh, you, your message to the Summa as a whole, uh, not only for Gaza, but as a whole, uh, what needs to be done and what needs to be done now? I would say, um, uh, I mean, hold steadfast to, you know, to the to Islam and turn to Allah, turn to the solutions that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us. Don't forsake, you know, those those solutions. Don't turn your back on those solutions for, you know, uh, whether it be for your own comfort or, you know, um, a- a- anything like that. You know, we, we are here in this life to live for the sake of Allah and to speak the haq for the sake of Allah. And that is what we should do what we should be doing no matter what. And for mothers, especially just going off what Dr. Nasreen was saying, that this is, you know, uh, passing this on to our children. This is why it is so important for women, Muslim women, especially to be politically aware, to have an understanding of our history, to, to understand what is going on with our ummah, to know all the players that are involved and what their agendas are in connecting those dots. Because our children are with us most of the time. You know, they're, they're with their mother. They come to their mother to yeah. seek that knowledge, that comfort. We have to be the one, you know, to, 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 uh, to teach them this. You know, to give them that, that encouragement to go out and say the huck, even though it's, you know, it's scary. You know, it's a scary thing to do, but we have to do it. Jazakumullah uh, khairan, sisters. I know uh, the discussion was about the mothers, and the reason I, I, I led this discussion this way, sisters, is that I want, because, you know, there's a very unique role that the sisters play. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, all, it's not just, you know, it's not just that they're mothers, but we need to present our sisters that not only are they mothers, but they played many different roles that actually shaped the Muslim world. They, they shaped uh, uh, the, the, the personalities that led the Muslim world. They shaped, uh, they played a very, very unique uh, role in history in building the kind of men that we've, we've had. 
and to talk to you guys about the political issues, talking to you about about you know about Gaza and seeing that how uh, Subhanallah, I, some of the answers that you guys give, sisters, Wallahi, I don't get it from ulama and from the men sometimes on these shows. They are either they're scared or either they are they're trying to be politically correct or they're trying to still somehow manage their you know somehow you know be safe. So. Wallahi, and this is the reason why we did this show, so that when we find our sisters with such courage, and the courage of the sisters of Gaza, that we are moved to do the things that we are supposed to do, that Allah Azza wa ordered us to do. Jazakumullah khairan for your time, and for uh, for being here, and for doing what you do for this ummah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala continue to use you, and benefit, uh, take you as a benefit for this ummah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Podcasts on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran tafsir, and sirah are available at islampodcasts.com as well as on iTunes. Rate, review, and comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please subscribe, share, and tell a friend about islampodcasts.com.